safeties drop really deep. Handoff Sermon over the left side. Big hole. 30. First down. 25-20. Breaks a tackle. 15-10-5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach. Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line. Jesse, 25-20, 15-10-5 to the goal line. Touchdown, 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score. Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13-7 to advance. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Well, down the home stretch we go in the college basketball season, and it doesn't get any better than in the Big 12 Conference. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, and welcome in a new affiliate, KFRM Radio in Kansas, joining us now as part of the Heartland College Sports Network. If you're new to the show, heartlandcollegesports.com, your Big 12 independent media outlet. I'm Pete Mundo, own it, operate it. I used to work out in Woodward, Oklahoma at K101Z92 Radio. Moved to New York with opportunities from CBS and Sports Illustrated, but my goal was always to make this a Big 12 outlet, and get this conference the attention I feel it deserves and hasn't received over the past several years. Now, for basketball, of course, the Super Bowl's in the rearview mirror, so that's all good and well and done. Uh, but the question really moving forward now is, it's college basketball season. You know, football's done for the next six, seven months. So now we have to figure out, okay, uh, what's the sports fan going to do? Well, the NBA really doesn't start cooking until, I think, April. I mean, I can't get into the NBA until the playoffs. That's just me, especially even now with the way things are. Am I going to watch a first-round Western Conference NBA Finals or NBA playoffs game? I'm not. So you got the college basketball scene. This is the chance for this sport to thrive. And the Big 12 is at the center of it all because the conference is as deep and as close as it gets. I mean, you look at this thing right now, and there's there's no doubt. I mean, you look across the country, and it's not anywhere close to what the Big 12 is offering, right? But just look at this and look at the top of the standings, and you see... Tech, Kansas, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Kansas State, even Texas. I mean, these teams can beat each other on any given night. Heck, you had Oklahoma State beating Kansas last weekend. Any of these teams, night in, night out, can beat the other, and that is unlike anything else in the rest of college basketball. And that's what makes this conference so great. You know, last week I mentioned this, and I talked about it, and that was that the Big 12 has become quality over quantity. Whereas instead of having these 14-team conferences where, you know, you are having garbage games for half the season because you have just such a wide range of ability for some of these teams, that's not the case in the Big 12 Conference. Not even close to the case. And if you are looking to follow a conference and to say, I can turn on a game 
And I don't know who's going to win. The Big 12 is the place to do that. And that is good for this conference because it just had a great football season. OU makes the college football playoff. Should have made the national title game, but that's a story for another day, of course. But here they are now in basketball season. And Big Monday seems like it's always a couple of ranked teams. You had it again this week with West Virginia and Oklahoma going down to the wire. More on that game coming up, by the way. I am uh, How ESPN is dealing with Trey Young is really pathetic. I'll get to that in a second, though. Uh, but it just feels like all these games, there's so much parity and quality top to bottom. Even at the like Baylor's a pretty good basketball team. Right? I don't think that's a crazy comment to make that Baylor's a pretty good basketball team that's sitting near the bottom of the standings. Same with Iowa State. I mean, Iowa State's a team that next year could very well go out there and win the conference. Think about that. They could go from worst to first, potentially, in the Big 12. They've got young guys that are growing, maturing in the system. Now, they've got work to do, but you see the talent is there, and that's totally worth something. And with so many of these teams competing to potentially get into uh, the NCAA tournament, it just makes it really exciting. And that's something that, that this conference is starting to get the credit for that it deserves. But you look at it right now. I mean, you've got to believe that, let's see, uh, probably six, maybe seven teams in the NCAA tournament for the Big 12. And that's, that's an enormous number when you look at it as a percentage. Yeah, the ACC might send more. But from a percentage standpoint, to send 70% of your league to the NCAA tournament is a massive number. And there's still a chance if a team like Oklahoma State goes on some kind of a big run because they've got a couple of good wins already under their belt with Oklahoma as well as Kansas. And that's what also makes it big because you go through a stretch as a Big 12 team where you know that, hey, if I have a good couple weeks here, I'm probably playing at least two, maybe three or four ranked opponents. And that's going to put me in a position where if I get hot at the right time and my guys buy in at the right time, I can absolutely get myself back into the bubble picture if you're near the bottom of the standings, like say in Oklahoma State, just for sake of argument, which is big, impressive, and important moving forward. So there's no doubt in my mind that I believe the Big 12 is going to become a focal point for this final month of the college basketball season, on top of the fact that you've got Trey Young, a guy who's up for player of national player of the year, which brings you star power as well. When you know you look at the Dukes of the world, and yes, Marvin Bagley's a great player, but is he the kind of guy that you got to watch night in, night out? I don't think he is for the simple fact that he's a forward. I mean, this is a guard-driven sport. This is not 30 years ago when Patrick Ewing's dominating the game at Georgetown. It's not. It is a guard-driven sport. That's where the star power is, and that is who gets the benefit of the doubt with the way the three-pointer has become such an integral part of what not just college basketball but the NBA as well has become about and what the focus really is. So you combine star power and Trey Young, you take on top of that the depth and the quality that this conference has, and you have yourself an absolute perfect storm 
of what should be really good basketball over these next four weeks. And the Big 12 tournament, forget it. I mean, I, I can't wait. I know it's, what are we, four weeks away now from that week stretch in Kansas City, but that is going to be so much fun. And you wonder if someone's going to catch, you know, lightning in a bottle near the bottom of the Big 12 standings and just go on this run and potentially burst the bubble. There's so many possibilities in this conference on the basketball side of things that cannot be overlooked and cannot be overstated. And it's a great time to be a Big 12 basketball fan. And that's why I think when you look around the rest of the country and, you know, I you see what's going on and you're like, all right, you know, the ACC is basically Virginia and everybody else. Um, Big Ten, you feel like it's Purdue and then maybe Ohio State, Michigan State. The SEC's got Auburn in the lead, but, um, you know, is Auburn basketball really driving eyeballs and ratings and, and enthusiasm? No, it's not. Pac-12, eh, Arizona, USC, Washington, once again, find me the star power. And the Big East is Villanova and everybody else. So this is a chance for this conference to really shine and take control and and do all those things that we've wanted them to do for the past few years as they've been kind of shunned by the other Power 5 conferences. But now it is about the Big 12. And that is great for this conference moving forward. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you guys joining us. Part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 media outlet. Let's um let's dive into this, shall we? What is ESPN thinking with its coverage of Trey Young? It, it's it's borderline embarrassing and it's not Trey Young's fault. It's it's really not. I'll explain next, right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So the Trey Young train has officially gotten out of hand. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for joining us, guys, as always. Part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, your independent Big 12 media outlet. I'm watching Big Monday, and I'm catching West Virginia and Oklahoma playing Norman, and it's a great basketball game going back and forth. And I look above the scoreboard on the TV screen, and there's a little sliver there, and it says Trey Young, colon, points, assists, turnovers. And I flipped on the game in the first half, and I thought, huh, that's that's kind of interesting, kind of strange, kind of weird. I didn't think much of it, but... It didn't go away. And it never went away. In fact, a Trey Young stat board was on the screen for the entire game on Monday night between West Virginia and Oklahoma. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, is this like a, a, a technical issue? Did something go wrong? Did somebody screw up? No. Nothing went wrong. Nobody screwed up. In fact, that was on purpose. Yeah, somebody thought it was a good idea at ESPN to put a permanent Trey Young stat board on the screen at all times. Now, I understand if a guy gets to like 40 points and you want to say, hey, we got to get this guy's name on the screen. People got to flip on ESPN and say, 
so-and-so, Trey Young, whoever it might be, Javon Carter, this guy's at 40 points. We want people to stay on this channel because somebody's having a 40-point game. I could understand that, and I could absolutely respect that. But that's not what was going on here. This was just OU taking its chance to hype up Trey Young as much as they possibly could, put him on a pedestal and basically say, okay, this is our guy that we are latching on to to the next month, and we are going to see what happens. And we're going to hope that it drives our ratings. And in a situation like this where ESPN finds itself losing subscribers month in, month out, um, it's that awkward phase where you're trying to find something as a casual sports fan to latch on to. College basketball is not what it was, let's be honest, a generation ago in terms of cross-the-board popularity. You take a guy like Trey Young, who could be the national player of the year, and you hit your wagon to him. And that's what ESPN has done. But it comes across pathetic, and it's just bad for the game. You know, someone on Reddit, I don't know how many of you follow or use Reddit.com. It's kind of just a message board on anything in the world. The broadcast mention numbers. So the amount of times the West Virginia starters were mentioned, 168. The number of times Trey Young was apparently mentioned, his name, 144. Now, I don't know who has time to count that. I don't know if that was some kind of a, a joke that was being made, but... Either way, they have made it the Trey Young show. And if you go to ESPN.com and you watch the highlights from that game on Big Monday, it is basically a Trey Young highlight reel minus a couple of West Virginia baskets. And I'm all for this idea that the Big 12 is getting more notoriety because of Trey Young, kind of like it did with Baker Mayfield. But I don't think this is one of those things that is benefiting the Sooners in any way. Because Trey Young did not have a particularly good game on Monday night. Trey Young had himself uh, 32 points, two assists. Check that, one assist and six turnovers. I mean, there were times when he was forcing it, when he was taking shots that I know a couple of those 30-foot three-pointers do go in every once in a while. But for the most part, those are not going to fall. More often than not, they're, they're just not going to go down. But Trey Young kept putting them up, um, and even on the last play, when OU had a chance to tie or take the lead on the final possession, it was Young dribbling himself in the traffic down the side of the lane and got himself in trouble, and West Virginia ends up hanging on for the victory. So I, I don't think OU, I don't think Trey Young had a great game, but you know ESPN is doing everything it can to promote the guy. And they're in a tough spot because right now the National Player of the Year race is most people believe it's down to Trey Young and or and then Villanova guard Jalen Brunson. And from the Brunson standpoint, you know he all his games with Villanova are on Fox or Fox Sports One because Fox has the rights to the Big East, but ESPN has the Big Twelve rights, so they have latched on the Trey Young as much as they can and. I get it from the standpoint of what they're trying to do. I just think it's wrong. It's silly. It's kind of embarrassing. And it doesn't do Trey Young any favors. This is not Trey Young's fault. He seems like a fine guy. He's interviewed in the post game. He's humble. He's quiet. He's respectful. Um, and he's just playing his game. Whether I agree with it or not, he's just playing his game. And for the most part, he's got a great game. I just wish he would clean it up at times. But, you know, he's a teenager. He's going to grow. He's going to get better. He's going to improve all that. I understand it. 
I just still believe that this is the kind of situation that OU is going to find itself in and not want to be a part of. Because if this hype train continues every night, Trey Young's got to have a personal stat board on the television screen, that gets to you. 99% of people and athletes that at that age, that is going to get to you. Steph Curry didn't have this kind of hype. He had a nice run at the end of the season and then in the NCAA tournament, which is really when the casual fans started to notice Steph Curry because he was playing at Davidson, which nobody knew or followed back then. But Trey Young, the hype train's been going on now for about a month, and now with the NFL over, it is going to just spin as much as ESPN will let it spin. And that's not beneficial at all. So the other thing I was thinking about as I was watching this game on Big Monday is that West Virginia, Oklahoma, uh, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, I would take West Virginia over Oklahoma any day of the week in terms of who could go deeper. Now, OU may have the better pure talent in Trey Young and some of the guys around him, Brady Manikin at the three, etc. But in the NCAA tournament, in a one-and-done situation, the last thing I want, last thing I want, is a guy that has to go out there and has to hit 30-foot contested step-back three-pointers to win a game. That's incredibly difficult to do, night in, night out. It's one thing in a seven-game series like the NBA playoffs where you say to yourself, all right, if I'm off one night, you know, I just got to win four or seven games. I can, in theory, have three off nights. But that's not what happens when you get to the NCAA tournament. If you have a bad shooting night, it's game over. So you give me a West Virginia team that has lockdown defense, has on Monday night, they had four guys in double figures. In Javon Carter, Ahmad Kanate, and West. Four guys in double figures, a balanced scoring attack. You had a total of eight guys get points on the board. Whereas OU had Trey Young with 32, Brittany Manick had 12, nobody else had more than eight. I mean, that's not balanced. And in the NCAA tournament, you're going to see teams do essentially what Alabama did to Oklahoma a couple weeks ago, which is use some length, face guard him, etc., and just get him uncomfortable and get him off his game. And that's much easier to do in a one-and-done situation, especially on the second half, whether it's you know that Saturday after a Thursday or that Sunday after a Friday when guys are a little tired, a little sluggish. That's when you can get that kind of an upset against an Oklahoma Sooners team. Now, also, the flip side is Trey Young could carry this team to a Final Four if he just hits a hot streak for two weeks. But I'm not taking my chances. I know West Virginia has struggled lately, but if I am picking one of these two teams to make a deeper run than the other, it's West Virginia because it's balanced, it's defensive-oriented, and I know Bob Huggins' teams have had their issues in the tournament at times in recent seasons. Mountaineers fans won't let you forget that. I totally understand it. I do. But the interior presence with Kanate, the senior leadership at the guard spot with Carter— the midseason swoon for the Mountaineers is not a bad thing. In many ways, it's a wake-up call for guys. If you cruise all the way through the season and you got one or two losses come the NCAA tournament and you haven't had that kind of uh, you know, back-against-the-wall mentality, you haven't struggled, you haven't hit that rough patch, 
when you find yourself in a one-and-done game with five minutes left, down by four points, how is your team going to respond? We may not know the answer. We know it for West Virginia. They were number two in the country, and then they hit an incredibly rough patch over the past couple of weeks that, you know, saw them lose at one point five of six games. But they've now won two straight. They got Oklahoma State on Saturday and then TCU before a big matchup with Kansas the following Saturday. So there's a lot to follow here and a lot to like about what this Mountaineers team is doing and where it's moving going forward. And we could very well look back on this January swoon and say it was the best thing for a Bob Huggins team. It didn't look like that during some of those games. You know, you look back on that two-week stretch, it wasn't pretty at times. But it wasn't necessarily a bad thing either. So it'll be fun to see how that plays out for the Mountaineers in the coming weeks. Pete Mundo wrapping things up with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 media outlet. Just reach out to me. We have affiliates growing every week, every month. Find me, Pete Mundo, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Email me. We've got, uh, once again, affiliates are continuing to roll in. Our latest coming from Kansas, KFRM. We appreciate those guys so much and all that they do and thank them for uh, being a part of the show and carrying it. It's going to be a lot of fun as we continue to build this thing out. We're in now Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, and West Virginia. So you watched the Super Bowl last weekend, and it was funny. The the no conference in the country got the attention that the Big 12 did. First off, it was a high-scoring game. So you had the you know bozos out there saying, oh, what are we watching, Big 12 football here or something? And it was funny because... It was like troll level to a million. Some of these guys were so predictable, knocking the Big 12 and, and you know trying to take a pot shot at the conference because it was a high-scoring game. And they were all out. I mean, if you just Google Big 12 Super Bowl, or excuse me, on Twitter, just search it, Big 12 Super Bowl, you will see plenty, plenty of hateful messages. But here's the thing. The Big 12 style has quickly made its way into college football. Now, there's a couple reasons for that. It was more so, you saw more so with the Eagles with the run-pass option that was being run with Nick Foles. First off, Nick Foles ran that a big in college at Arizona. Sonny Dykes, now the head coach at SMU, of course, spent time at Texas Tech and then then, uh, TCU this past season. That is part of the Big 12 and, to some extent, the Pac-12 lexicon of how they play the game. So a lot of that was basing it off of Doug Peterson saying, the Eagles head coach, saying this is what I know Nick Foles will be comfortable doing. We can exploit it. We're going to roll with it. And you had Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth actually explaining the RPO to you know the average NFL fan that maybe isn't familiar with the phrase or the term or the meaning. Now, those of us that are Big 12 football fans, of course, we know what that's all about, and we watch that every Saturday during the fall. But a lot of... NFL fans don't see it. And this is happening for a couple of reasons. First off, the money between the NFL and college has shrunk. So you have guys going from college to the NFL, NFL to college, vice versa. So the games are becoming more synonymous with each other. Also, you have a situation where the NFL wants these guys to play immediately. So what do some of them have to do? 
they got to put in a playbook or at least incorporate part of the playbook that is what they did in college. Now, in the end, you know, a guy's going to run the system in the NFL that he wants to run. But you saw the Eagles incorporating a lot of that RPO stuff that Nick Foles used in college that we see at the college level still, and that isn't going anywhere. So as college guys start going to the NFL, as NFL guys start taking maybe coordinator positions or head coaching positions at college, and they bounce back and forth, this is not going anywhere. It's kind of the perfect storm of what's going on. And uh, John Walters, who's the play-by-play voice for Iowa State, he tweeted out beautifully on Sunday night. He goes, one punt. If you're a writer and you say this has been the greatest Super Bowl, but you also consistently rip the Big 12 for no defense, well, dot, dot, dot. It was just, it was brilliant. Uh, Tim Brando also had a good defense, tweeting, if this were a college championship game, hardcore fans would be screaming, what is this, the Big 12? No, it's what football has become. you got to score to win. Defenses may have their moments, but it's the depth and the width of the field that ruins it for defenses. That plus great talent. Uh, It was just perfect. And then the ultimate defense of the Big 12 came from a guy that you'd expect it from, and that is Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State head coach, saying 673 yards of total offense in the first half. Looks like a Big 12 conference game. Amazing what happens when you throw the ball downfield. Love the exciting offensive football. Also tweeting, this game is like a basketball on grass. Fun to see the Big 12 style of offense in the Super Bowl. That's a huge recruiting tool right there. Do not kid yourself. That is a huge recruiting tool for all these guys. If you're a college kid or if you're a high school kid, you've been getting recruited by the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Big 12. You're a four- or five-star guy. Guarantee you the Big Ten coach and the SEC coach are saying, you want to go to the Big 12? Those principles, they don't even apply in the NFL. We get you ready for the NFL. Not anymore. Long gone. That is long gone. And that is a good thing for the Big 12, which is so much momentum on the football field, on the basketball court. So uh, this is this is exciting stuff. When you have Big 12 principals getting that much attention in the Super Bowl, every one of these coaches, all 10 of the coaches in the Big 12, have got to be able to recruit on that and utilize that to their advantage. Pete Mundo wrapping it up with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Can't thank you guys enough for joining us. Really appreciate it. And once again, thanks to KFRM Radio in Kansas for becoming our latest affiliate. We'll talk to you next week, same time, same place, here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right.